last week, I, uh, I met this person. I was asking directions. They gave me some directions, and I just took the opportunity to say, hey, look, I don't even know if you're looking for directions for eternity, but I've got some if you'd be interested. And, and share the faith. And then tell your staff how many times you've shared your faith with somebody. Okay? That tells them what's important to you, Pastor. And if they know that's important to you, then do this. Just say, hey, next week when we talk, uh, I want to go around the table and let you share your witnessing opportunities for the week. Hi, and welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. Last time we got together, we were visiting with the friends at Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary. It's become a monthly feature here on Bot Radio Network AM640 to visit with professor, a staff member, to learn more about the heartbeat of ministry, what God is doing through the seminary to train men and women for gospel ministry around the world. And this uh, is an incredible work that really started as a vision of Dr. Gray Allison many years ago as he moved the seminary from Little Rock, Arkansas to Memphis, Tennessee. The campus is a beautiful campus there at Appling and I-40 across from Bellevue Baptist Church. And there's also the College at Mid-America. Randy Red, you've got all kinds of opportunities educationally at the seminary and the College at Mid-America. That's exactly right. You can audit a class if you can get an audit Greek if yeah. <laughs> you're so disposed to do, but you can also get certifications in counseling, biblical counseling, and uh, as well as an associate's degree, a bachelor degrees, uh, several of those that we offer, uh, master degrees, and then uh, D-Men, doctoral, doctor of ministry, as well as a PhD. Now, are you teaching skills. any classes at the seminary or at the college? I do. Um, I teach in the uh, college uh, in the Bachelor of Science in Business Administration is one of our degree programs, and I teach uh, business courses there. Okay. Let's give the formal introduction to Randy Redd, who was with us last time on our program. Dr. Randy Redd is Vice President for Finance and Operations and CFO and Assistant Professor of Business Administration and Management. Also, as we mentioned last time, he leads the worship music at Grace Point Baptist Church in Cordova, and from time to time fills the pulpit and preaches God's Word. Randy, thanks for coming back. Great to be here. I just think there was some conversation as we ended. We had some unfinished business, okay? We had some unfinished business that we needed to continue on. Some time to time, I'll invite my guests to hang around. Thank you for doing that. Glad to do it. <laughs> well, we were really getting into the business side of ministry, mm. and I was just thinking about, you know, even in the life ministry of Jesus Christ on earth, there was a ministry site. He had a person that handled the money. I think his name was Judas Iscariot. He had, I think, women and others that did works to make money to give to the support and cause of what was happening there, those early days of that group of disciples that he was bringing together to commission to take the gospel into all the world and to offer that gift of salvation that mm. we can only find through Jesus Christ. And having um, the business side, as we mentioned last time, Randy, balance with integrity based upon the principles of God's Word, Spirit-led. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting that you, you say that about uh, Jesus and and uh, those of that uh, were around him, his followers and his disciples specifically. We don't know all of their backgrounds. We don't know all of their uh, vocations. But we do know that some of them were fishermen. And there's a there's a business right there. They had uh, knowledge of what uh, what kind of fish to keep, what kind of fish to throw back, 
what would sell well in the market and what might not. Uh, so there was acumen there from a, a stewardship s- standpoint. But, you know, there was a tax collector in the group yes, as well. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so uh, and, and we love we love our tax people. Uh, we're being audited right now at the school. So uh, I, I'll hang around a third time if you want just to keep me away from those audits. No, I love them. They're great folks. They help us a lot. There again, something like a tax audit, which we know there's stress involved when you think about that. But knowing that there's some accountability, yeah. that those who support a ministry like the seminary and the college, you know, know that when they give a financial contribution to support uh, an effort or to the ministry, that there is some accountability. You know, exactly. you guys are trying to be good stewards of the dollars that God provides for you. Exactly right. And if the auditor uh, has any recommendation whatsoever, I always take it. Uh, I want to be better. Yeah, uh, We're lifetime learners, my friend. Uh, we never stop learning. We never stop growing. And um, as we speak, I mean, right now, I guarantee you, there's somebody up in the IRS or in Congress that's trying to change the tax laws. They seem to change all the time. Yes. And so it's hard for any anybody to keep up with that. Yeah. So a whole group of CPAs help us stay accountable and stay right. And uh, that's important for us, as you say, uh, so that those who give – Every penny that comes to the school, we're spending it correctly. Yes. You know, one of the things you mentioned last time that the pastor should have an opportunity to speak into the financial side of the ministry, maybe the financial committee or that board that gets together and makes those decisions so they have that spiritual side. But, you know, each of us is members of the body of Christ, have the responsibility to be accountable, to be spirit-fed and spirit-led, obviously, (laughs) because (laughs) let's face it. Churches have divided over colors of carpet of what to do and to buy. You know, silly arguments. It's just not a testimony for the body of Christ. So it's important that the business side become a spiritual ministry side of operating for the glory of God. No, you're exactly right, Byron. I'm telling you again, um, the pastor has to keep the focus of all those committees especially the finance committee in my world, they have to keep their focus on the main thing. We can talk about what color the roof needs to be. There's a story. I don't know. I can't tell you what church, but there's a story of a church. They could not agree on what color the new roof should be. They had a shingle. It was pretty well 50-50. It ought to be green or it ought to be red. And so you know what they did? Half of it was green and half of it was I don't know if that's true or not, but I love that story because it does emphasize a point. Here they were, knockdown, drag out, business meetings, when they could have been doing so much more. Yeah. So much more. And the pastor probably well-meaning and all. Um, you know, it's, it's a struggle sometimes to keep everybody on the same page and that it's the right page. But that's a role of the pastor. But to your point, as the membership is growing – they're being fed and they're being led and they're following obedience, then we are growing together in unity, yes. um, closer to him together. Right. That's exactly right. Randy, what is a budget item that is highly important for the church but typically gets the least resource? A lot of it's program. Um, it's extremely important what we spend actually on the program. What do I mean by that? What are we spending on missions? What are we spending on evangelism? What are we spending on training materials for our classes? Uh, How are we supporting the real ministry of the church? And again, don't get me wrong, but I'm just straight up. It's, It's like in most businesses, salaries and compensation 
typically drive the day. And yeah. that, what I mean by that is that's usually a high percentage of a budget is what we're paying our ministers. And again, you don't want to withhold from them. You want to make sure and, and feed them well and all that and take good care of them. But you also want to make sure you're not, I don't know, buying new carpet every year. No, just buy a, some good carpet and then spend the rest of the money on the ministry. Pay your people. Get a, a, the campus looking like it's supposed to, but then don't skimp when it comes to the actual ministry. Put the money into the ministry. Is it a mission trip or trips? Is it evangelism training? Is it evangelism opportunities? Yeah. I mean, those are like fish nets. You want to go fishing with a little net or you want to go fishing with a big net? You want a good one, that's for sure. You don't want it failing uh, on you. We talked a little bit about this last time about a church having an, an endowment or a reserve. And there are those unexpected things that can happen to a church. You know, you have an air conditioning system that goes out. And even in those times, the body comes together and you see God do incredible things to provide for building needs, you know, when it comes to facilities. I had a pastor friend that was pastoring a small rural church in Arkansas. This particular church would not let their reserve go below, I think, $100,000. Mm-hmm. It never would go below that. We're not here to judge. That's between them them and God. But is there a good surplus amount that a church should consider budgeting as a designated reserve? How do you come up with that number? Well, again, it's going to vary on the cost of living in that that around that church and so forth. I think it's important to understand the liability issues in certain areas of the country are different. Byron, in some places, uh, there's no way a church could keep in reserve what might happen that they might need if they got sued or something happened, earthquake, whatever. So mitigate that risk a smart way. And some churches are dead set against insurance. I'm not. I don't see it as a gamble. I see it as, hey, I can, for this amount of money, or small amount of money, smaller, I can still take care of a $10 million possibility with some insurance, and that leaves some money to go back into the ministry right. and actually do the work of the Lord. And so that that's just one case. But yeah, I, I think to get back to the other part of your question, I would start at 10%. And I didn't come to that lightly. There's um, biblical proof for where that 10% is supposed to go right. to the Lord first. Yes. So I say in a budget, and this is what I've shared with some of the folks over at the school, is like you give 10% to the Lord, do that. The church should do that by putting 10% into evangelism and missions. So 10% of your budget is going to go to evangelism or missions. Now, you think about some of the budgets that you know, some of these churches, that's a sizable amount of money. But there's a lot of different mission organizations out there that they could support. They could support a radio station I'm aware of. Maybe they could do that. Okay? Yeah. Might be a good idea. Might be a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. I didn't think you'd argue with that. But then I would say, if you're going to do that, also try to put 10% aside for incidentals. And so do you have a cushion? Do you have a savings account somewhere that's got 10% of your annual budget in there? That way, at any given time, that would take care of possibly um, a month or so of expenses if anything were to happen. Yeah, that's a good start. Yeah, yeah start there. Uh, this is kind of connected, I think, what you just okay. mentioned about liability. Is it important for a church to be incorporated legally to protect members from potential lawsuits and other legal matters that could arise? Yeah, I would agree with that. I'm not an attorney, 
But I would agree with that. Absolutely. Um, there are certain bylaws and so forth that I think protect a church. If they don't have it written in the bylaw, they probably should. Yeah. Uh, that way, if the laws ever change, we have a, a situation that becomes more persecuting of the church. God forbid. Um, I pray freedom of religion and not from religion. Yes. Okay. That's a daily prayer, but that we have that kind of, of, of liberty, but you want to make sure you're covered in a situation like that for sure. Good word. What are some key ingredients for keeping a church staff a gospel-centric ministry? Because there is so much voices coming in today and so many issues, community-wise, social-wise. You know what I'm saying? I do. It's a great question. I would just talk to my brother pastor right now, heart to heart, and I would emphasize to you, when you get your staff together, when you meet, hopefully once a week, you're sitting down after Sunday, and and don't jump straight into it. What do we do right? What do we do wrong? However you do your staff meeting, you do that. I'm not going to tell you how to do that. But I want to advise you on something. What you emphasize in the staff meeting is what they will take away with them. And what they take away with them, they will emphasize to the membership that they are over, that they work with. Yeah. Whether it's music, whether it's education, children, whatever it is. And so if you ask, if you say this, hey, I want to tell you, last week I uh, I met this person. I was asking directions. They gave me some directions, and I just took the opportunity to say, hey, look, I don't even know if you're looking for directions for eternity, but I've got some if you'd be interested. And, and share the faith. And then tell your staff how many times you've shared your faith with somebody. Okay? That tells them what's important to you, Pastor. And if they know that's important to you, then do this. Just say, hey, next week when we talk, uh, I want to go around the table and let you share your witnessing opportunities for the week. Yeah. You know what's going to happen? That staff is going to start witnessing. You know what's going to happen? God's going to start saving people because they hear the gospel. And God uses that. He uses that seed. Not everybody will pray to receive Christ. You know that. But more people are going to hear the gospel. So whatever's important, pastor, that's what you display and do. for. And if it's mission trips, go on a mission trip uh, or, or talk about different mission opportunities in your community and what you're going to do, a block party, and emphasize that. And that becomes important. Then your church realizes, hey, this is important, and they'll catch it. Yeah. It's as much caught as it is taught. But you've got to have the heart for that. That's a good word, Randy. Uh, a lot of what you do, too, has to do with an administrative role, you know, in the financial side and budgets and, and salaries and things like that. What should be considered before creating or filling a new staff position at your church? I think you get on your face before the Lord and ask him, is there is there someone already here that would do this? Do we need to hire someone to do this? Depending on what your situation is. And if you've got a large uh, youth group and, and your youth pastor just left and went somewhere else, well, yeah, you, you probably don't have a volunteer that's going to step up and do that because that's full-time. He's maybe a, bigger than some churches is the size of your youth group, you know, kind of a thing. And so you you engage that depending on just the magnitude of the uh, the size of the ministry. Yeah. We used to look at a formula. I don't know if it's still valid or not, but for every 200 people, you, you'd look at doing another full-time minister. Don't know if that's um, 
it's certainly not biblical anywhere, but <laughs> it it is kind of a management principle for ministry and seems to have worked well over the years. Um, but look at that and say, okay, well, look, how many people do we really have? And is it big enough for a full-time? Is it, what about a part-time? What about a bivocational? And hey, let me throw a pitch in. Our students are studying to become ministers. And many of them would love to get some experience at churches. And especially the local churches around here are wonderful. And uh, many of them do bring on our folks as as volunteers or as paid part-time staff and in some cases full-time. And that's a great connection, too, with the local churches and the seminary. So that's we'll give that number out toward the end of the program so friends can call or get information. Uh, what about members of the church being better utilized for serving without creating a paid staff position? You know, I know there's a fine line there, but there are some people like yourself in the business world, you know, who are close to retirement or maybe thinking about retiring and have, you know, experience, but maybe better than just the experience, have a heart for God, have a heart for people, know the word and want to disciple others. How can you better utilize that segment of your congregation, those volunteers, the members? Yeah, I think uh, that's a great question. I, I think a lot of churches are looking for this type of thing. You know, we have a lot of senior adults uh, these days, and um, we should take advantage of their wisdom and, uh, to the degree that that's something they want to do. Um, I think a, a great uh, opportunity would be to have just a sit-down talk, have them all come in for a dinner and talk to them about the possibility of doing that. At the same time, uh, have a separate one with the younger folks in the church and say, you know, there's a lot that we try to impart with pulpit discipleship, but that only goes so far. Yes. We have some godly men and women who have life experiences and they have lived their entire life faithful, godly people. They've made mistakes, but they've learned lessons. Uh, lessons I don't know. As a pastor, I wouldn't know. Yeah. But they're willing to – I met with them and they're willing to share. What if we got something together? Yeah. Would you be interested? Yeah. And it's not necessarily starting a life group or a right. Sunday school class or yeah. even a Bible study group, but just fellowship. Oh, yeah. An example, my son is on a church staff locally and his job is in the area of video production. He was in an area of the youth department, actually the children's department, doing some video of the kids getting together. They had like these opening session where they'll sing the songs and do the hands and you mm-hmm. know move around and things yeah. like that. But the last time he went in this department to shoot the video, there were kids from the high school that were actually there leading the songs and doing the hand motions for the smaller children, okay? They had a little th- group going on, so they were investing. These were volunteers. These were part of the youth, mm-hmm. but they were coming and investing their time in the younger kids. But he said, this time when I went, Dad, he said there were children up on the little platform they had, and they were the same age as the children that were there to go to class. Perfect. And they were leading, singing the songs. With He said one girl had so much enthusiasm. Mm. And I think that's a beautiful picture. I think we underestimate and utilize because the responsibility of the pastor of the church is to equip the saints. And the saints are supposed to do the work of the ministry, right? Correct. <laughs> but we don't see a lot of that. Mm. We say we have to have a paid position to do that. I remember something Adrian Rogers said, we're not just a sit, soak, and sour. Mm. There's places for us to serve. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. And I love that illustration. I I think of um, neighborhood fellowship groups. Um, 
some churches are very good at doing these, depending on how spread out the church might be and um, so forth. But you find a lot of folks that might live in a certain proximity and uh, plan a fellowship and have someone who is maybe more mature uh, in their faith uh, host it. Yeah. Now, you can't do that in the middle of a pandemic, but then again, as things ease up, maybe you could. Yeah, there's ways around that. Certainly are. You have served on multiple church staffs from South Carolina to Jackson, Tennessee. Sure, I'm missing out on some others you've been on, but there's been a variety of church staffs. And I know you had the privilege of serving under the leadership of Adrian Rogers for how many years? Um, was there for five, six years, but I was a member there many years before. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you were obviously engaged and involved in the ministry there. Yeah. But things can seem different when you're on the staff. You're on the inside, okay? It's true. What did you learn from inside? What are some takeaways from serving and working with Adrian Rogers in ministry? Well, I am really grateful for that question. Uh, what I think I learned as one of their greatest takeaways is a tribute to him. The same man that you saw or that you see when you watch him preach on Love Worth Finding, you see that man, you hear that voice uh, on the radio or, or, or see him preach on TV. Um, that man was the same man that you met with during the week. We had a, a weekly um, lunch where he would meet with the entire ministerial staff. He saw us as an extension of his office, which is also appropriate. And uh, from a biblical standpoint, that was a, a meeting of the elders, if you will. Yeah. We were all bishops uh, called to minister in a church, and that's who he was meeting with on a on a weekly basis. And he would do a, a kind of a checkup on us, and he would always have a word for us. But he was just the same man, godly man, filled with the Spirit, full of integrity, winsome. Um, you, you know, I I think the first one I went to, I thought, did he prepare for this like he does Sunday? <laughs> and and the answer is, yeah, he he read his yeah. Bible again today. Yeah, right. <laughs> he spent time with God again today. Yeah. And uh, I had the sweet privilege of working with him on on one of his last projects, uh, Pastor Training Institute that he did. Um, Love Worth Finding still has that available, and I highly recommend it. Some of the some of the best material I think a pastor can get a hold of is the Pastor Training Institute that Dr. Rogers did. Um, we filmed it there at the church. I got to be his right hand just helping him through some of the practical stuff. I, I didn't do anything heavy duty, but I was privileged to be there. I got to see him prepare. I got to see he had his typically written out. Sometimes it would be typed, and he had a brown flare felt tip pen and he would make changes he would he would put the the cap in his mouth and in between his lips and he'd talk out of the other side of his mouth I'm, i know this is horrible for radio sorry <laughs> i apologize but then he would he would make a change reading through his his notes about what he wanted to say i thought uh how committed he was to what god had called him to do it was a craft for sure but he was so good at it and it's just poured out of his life because of all that he was taking in, reading God's word, reading godly men, talking with other godly men. He had many that prayed with him on a weekly basis. And I, I wish I knew more about his own personal quiet time and walk with the Lord. But what little bit insight I got to see for those few years impacted my life in a great way. 
Well, I know, Randy, that sentiment I'm sure has been shared for many on the staff who had that privilege of working with him. But I think the key what you said, and that really applies to all of us who are listening to the show today, is spending that time in God's Word every day mm-hmm. and being used by God through the Holy Spirit wherever you might serve, behind the lunch counter at school, driving a city bus in a doctor's office, wherever you might be. Or God might be calling you into a full-time ministry, Amen. and you need to prepare. I remember a professor I had in Bible college said that God doesn't place a supremacy on ignorance. <laughs> and so that's why Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary and the college at Mid-America are available. Friends that want to pursue an education, an academic education, solidly in the Bible and learn how to share their faith— Mid-America is the school. And so how can we get details about opportunities for classes and programs? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, Please, if you are interested in a um, a fully accredited degree, college degree, fully accredited with the Southern Association of Colleges and Schools, Mid-America has four degrees, Bachelor of Arts in Christian Studies, Bachelor of Arts in Biblical Counseling, Bachelor of Science in Organizational Leadership, and Bachelor of Science in Business Administration. Those four degrees, all part of the college, and we teach top-tier level coursework, but at the same time, we give you a biblical worldview. You're going to take a full year of Bible, which is amazing. You got your gen ed, general ed, like every other college student in America, but you're going to get a full year of conservative biblical training. Old Testament, New Testament. Then you go into your business core, leadership core, whatever. But there's still the biblical worldview uh, in those disciplines as well. And if you're interested, certainly at the seminary is our master level courses. And uh, if you're missiology or missions or you're going into the ministry, any number of things, education. It's uh, we've got uh, degrees, programs in the master level, the DMIN level, and the PhD level. You would go online mabts.edu. And uh, there's another one for the college, but I would just send you to mabts.edu. And if you're interested in college, you can see a tab there that will direct you over to the college website. Um, Or you can call. We've got a great admissions department, and they're ready, willing, and able. 901-751-8453 and ask for admissions. Dr. Randy Redd has been our guest these past two days on Mid-South Viewpoint. Randy, my dear friend, it's been a pleasure. Your dear brother to me. To catch up with you. Yeah. Thank you for what you're allowing Christ to do through you and use you for his kingdom. Thanks for being our guest. Grateful for you, Byron. God bless you. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Mid-South Viewpoint is locally produced in the Bot Radio Network Memphis Studios, airing Tuesday through Thursday at 3 p.m. The show is available at BotRadioNetwork.com or on the Bot Radio mobile app for iPhone and Android users, as well as iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts.